0: Be sure to rate and review this podcast if you like it, and follow me on Instagram at ShannonXO and find me on YouTube for four new videos a week. Today, our theme is going to be What I have is enough. What I give is enough. We're going to talk about boundaries, boundaries for other people, boundaries within ourselves, and what to do about friends and dudes. Who don't want you to have any. And I know we talk a lot about boundaries, but that's because it is a constant daily battle. It's our life's work. Whether the boundary is, I'm not going to order that mac and cheese. I'm not going to order it. Don't, Shallon, don't do it. Whether it's a boundary within yourself to get you where you want to be, or it's a boundary with other people chipping away at you. We're going to break it all down. But first, let's get our head right, right? Okay. <sighs> We're going to breathe deep. We're going to roll our shoulders back. Loosen our jaw, wiggle it back and forth. Think about relaxing the inside of your ears, right? Just go a little heavy and we're going to inhale. And as we do, we're going to think about the mantra. What I have is enough. Inhale. Now we're going to think about the second mantra. What I give is enough in through the nose and out through the mouth. All right. Wake the mighty women. Let's receive the message. This question comes from Mary. She said, last weekend, I brought my friend Jenna with me to a weekend at my cousin's house. My cousin and her friends are renting for the summer and I had brought Jen the weekend before and everyone loved her. However, When I brought Jen this weekend, she was an absolute nightmare. She was rooting through stuff, like the people whose house it was, and, quote, reorganizing. She was inviting other people to stay in the house overnight without asking anyone's permission, and she was just generally being pushy about different things that she wanted to do. She's going to expect to come back again, and I need a kind way to tell her that her behavior is not acceptable. Mm, mm, mm. This is sort of like the rejecting the creepy guy, but... It's like on one hand, I want to tell people to be just absolute monsters and war machines and be like, you can't act like this. But, and you know, you can, you can, you can say that and you can behave that way if you never want to have that person in your life again. And for a creepy dude, you don't. So fine, proceed in that manner. But if it's a friend and you have to check them and you don't want it to be World War Three, because this person, Jen sounds like. A bully, basically, not in the like, mm, she's gonna ruin your life. But bullies come in different forms. They're eroders. They just chip, chip, chip away at people. And they conduct themselves in a manner that people are unwilling or afraid to stand up to them. And it can be very, very subtle. We all know people like this. Maybe it's someone in your family that's like, oh, I'm just, I'm not getting into it with Uncle Marty about politics. I don't wanna hear the MAGA thing. I don't wanna hear about build the wall. And, and he's always the loudest guy at the dinner table. Like, you just, you avoid them. And you just go along with things to avoid confrontation. And I spent the majority of my life like that. Most of us girls do. Because like we said in the other question, we're, we're bred to be polite. Oh, shh, don't make waves. No, you be nice. You be polite. Well, politeness doesn't really get us much of anywhere. Well-behaved women rarely make history, as they say. So look, one thing I've learned the hard way, obviously, always the hard way, is that no matter how fun someone is, they're not fun if they cause me stress. I don't care what they bring to the table, whether it's a great sense of humor or bottles of Dom Perignon, I have to look at the overall expenditure. Is it happiness or is it stress? It sounds like with her, it's stress. And I know that seems very like black and white, but sometimes situations are pretty black and white if we allow them to be. What is someone, you know, bringing and it's like, "Well, I mean, she's fine in other ways, but in this category, okay, then she's not allowed in this category." Then she's not allowed in this category. That's simply how it is. Boundaries are crucial. And ironically, the subject line of Mary's email was "Fun friend but no boundaries," but we'll get to the boundary portion of this answer in a moment. So yeah, maybe Jen historically hasn't been stressed, but we have to operate in the here and now, not in a state of nostalgia or worse, a state of fear. Other people may like her, but they're not responsible for her in the way that you are or that you feel that you are. A lot of us have a friend that we just feel responsible for. And I remember I was saying that about one of my friends and my other bestie was like, I don't understand like what you mean by that. And then her friend came to visit from out of town. And she's like, I get it because that's how I feel about Jamie. It's like, I I just feel so responsible for her. Like, I just, I'm hyper concerned with her all the time. I'm like, yeah, it's fucking exhausting. It's exhausting. So look, if she expects to come again, level with her. Here is the script. Hey, Jen, I would love to have you come, but I think we should go over the house rules. It's important. We respect the home and the other people, so we cannot be inviting anyone else or going through other people's things, and if the group decides they wanna go to Applebee's for dinner, they make that call, and we go along with it because we are guests. Otherwise, it's disrespectful, and my cousin has worked really hard to secure this house, and those are her rules. Got it? Remember my motto, guys. If it's fragile, let it break. If that's gonna make her flip out, good, let her. That makes your decision easier because now the writing on the wall has been illuminated. People like your friend bet on you chickening out when it comes to calling her on her bullshit. Fuck that. Yo, fuck that. Like I said, I would rather someone say I'm mean than me have to view myself as a victim or a pushover. And remember my other motto. People who hate your boundaries are the ones who benefit from you having none at all. And if you don't lay down the law with her, then actually, when you think about it, it's not her that lacks the boundaries. It'll be you. You're the one without the boundaries. She's doing whatever she wants to do. Like she's, on paper. She's living right. She's doing what she wants. She's not let anyone hold her back and she's living and she's thriving and she's happy. You're the one who's miserable. You're the one who's operating without an emotional fence. And it's terrible when we encounter people like Jen, but it's worse when we let them erode our sense of self, when we let them turn us into a spineless little weakling who can't stand up for ourselves. Always build the fence and always exactly let people know where your property line is. This next question comes from Rayanne. She said, so I accidentally went on a date with this guy. It was a total miscommunication. I thought it was a friend thing and it was basically an awful night, but we're in the same major and I was, you know, just acting aloof and avoidant afterwards because I don't really want any tension with someone I have to see all the time. And since then, he's been super kind and not crossing any boundaries. And I thought, okay, why not see if we can at least be friends? Took him about three days to start being creepy again. I gave him two opportunities in immediate succession to fix himself, and he bungled both rather spectacularly. I blocked him, but now I know I have to see him in the fall. How do I conduct myself S.O.S.? Oh, this is the worst. Like, we always think that the worst thing that can happen is that a guy doesn't like us back. But when you're in the position of having to dump someone, it's like, oh, I would so much rather be the dumpy than the dumpor. It's just... Less work, you know, and you kind of just slither away (laughs) when you get your heart broken. You don't have to constantly worry about running into someone. So, look, guys don't get hints. They're not subtle creatures. They like explosions and war and porn and motor oil. That's just how they're wired, you know. So, we can't be subtle and expect them to get the hint. No one is good at hints when they like someone. I literally have people submitting questions saying, He blocked me. What do you think that means? It's like, Girl, it it's not a, at, ah, that's not subtle, okay? But when we like someone, we're always looking for the loophole. Okay, but Cosmo's bedside astrologer said that my Mercury is right, so I should just keep calling him. I should just make a Finsta and DM him from that. No. But this is how the heart goes. Therefore, with this dude, you gotta be direct. Say what you told me. If he's weird, say, look, Jake, I think we got our wires crossed. When we went out, I didn't think it was a date. And that's not really what I'm looking for here. And that is it. That is all that you do say. Never, ever, ever, when rejecting someone, add any kind of qualifying phrase like at this time or right now or I'm stressed. I'm dealing with the law, my schedule. Don't ever blame it on something that could change. Because th- that's all they're going to hear. That is all they are going to hear. I remember one time, one of my best friends, she had to reject this dude. And it was like a longtime guy friend. And he it was the same thing. He was just becoming creepy. I fucking hated him, but that's a separate story. And she wrote him this whole long email. And I, she's like, Oh, what do you think? Read it. And she put, in like the last sentence of this massive 800 word email was something, something not at this time. And I'm like, that is the only line he is going to hear. Just just those words. She's like, no, but the whole rest of it's so rejecting. I'm like, all right, girl. Guess what? He's like, well, because you said at this time, that means that there's still hope and I'm not giving up. And I'm like, you should just listen to me. Because if you don't, if you put those qualifiers in, you're going to have to do this again, right? So <laughs> the last thing you want to do is to have to reject someone because it's annoying and it's a hassle and it's, you know, you feel mean and it's just, it's awful. It's awful. But it's even worse to have to do it twice because the more times we have to do it, the meaner we get and the more resentful we get towards ourselves because it's like, okay, maybe had I just played it like I saw it, like, hey, I'm sorry, I'm not into you. That's that. Clip it, cut it, point blank, period. Done. Done. Because I pussy-footed around because I was acting like a pussy, now I gotta, I gotta do this again, and it's terrible. And that way, if you just lay it out there in a kind but non-negotiable kind of way, if he's still creepy, then you won't feel like you have to be polite. Never feel like you have to be polite. I know that this is not the common wisdom. I'll oh, be polite. I'll say yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Be polite to strangers. Don't be polite to people in your life who are interlopers in your happiness. People who are eroding you, chipping away at your time, your energy, your happiness. You can be polite out of the gate and then that's it. It's it's a once it's a one-time thing. It's a flare gun. It's not a reloadable thing. I know I use a lot of gun metaphors now. I'm out in Montana. What can I say? Being polite gets women killed. Oh, sure, you can use my phone. Oh, yeah, I, I guess I could have a drink. I'll come in. No. No, girl. Someone thinks I'm rude because I cross the street because I see someone sketchy coming. Great. I'd rather be rude and alive than polite and dead. And those are extreme examples. But look at where politeness gets us in a regular life. Oh, you know, I just like I think you're so special. But, you know, like not right now. Like I said, that's all they're going to hear. And you're going to be right back to square one dumping them again. So, like I said, if you just call it out and speak plainly and he still gets weird, then you don't feel compelled to be super polite. You can shut him down harder or block him more. But for now, you know, keep on, keep blocking him and don't feel at all compelled to speak to him, answer him, give him the time of day. You can give him a polite nod in the hallway. That is it. You don't owe him anything. Say that to yourself again. You don't owe him anything. Next up, we have Brittany who says, Shallon, I just moved to Spain to study abroad and I'm loving it here. I'm so happy. But the problem is my friends back home. Now, normally people would be asking you about what to do with friends who have forgotten about them. But my problem is the opposite. My friends are blowing up my phone constantly, especially my one friend, Mackenzie. She doesn't really have a ton of other friends. And we talked all the time and hung out all the time when I was back in school. But now that I'm here, I just kind of want to disconnect from that life. I really want to soak up this experience IRL and not be so tied to everyone back home. Like if I was going to do that, why even leave? So I don't know how to tell her that I really can't be here for her in that way. And I know she's going through a lot. Her cat is dying. She's having fights with her boyfriend. But I really just kind of want to separate and then regroup when we get back in the same town. How do I say this without acting like I'm breaking up with her? Ooh, this, this hits, this hits me. I get it because, you know, I've moved to Montana and part of the reason I moved was to get a fresh start and Part of the reason, you know, not like a fresh start for my friends. I love my friends. But once I got out here, I realized how much of my time was spent kind of on the Internet. You know, and of course it's my job, but then it becomes a slippery slope. Like you log into Instagram to like post something and then you're on there for six hours scrolling and whatever. And then you're stressed. It's like I just want to be able to get in and get out a little bit more and that has bled over into my real life relationships. It's like people who I was talking to a lot when I lived in New York or during quarantine. It's like, I know this sounds bad, but I kind of want a back burner and I kind of want to live my in real life life. And I feel like a lot of you guys are feeling that way because I've gotten several questions about this. And the reason we're talking about this on the podcast is it be, it comes back to this boundary thing. It comes back to the theme of. What you have is enough. And what you have is enough. Like I said, that can relate to possessions. What I have is enough. I don't need that car. I don't need that outfit. I don't need that jade roller that's $30 when really they should be seven at Marshalls. Let's all be real about that. What you have to give is enough as well. What you have as your boundaries are enough. But the rub... And the difficulty with boundaries isn't so much setting them. I mean, we can set boundaries all day long in the privacy of our own homes, in our minds, in the quiet of the night. It's communicating them in a way that doesn't destroy every relationship you have or that doesn't make you feel like a monster or both. You know, I'm a big believer in just being real with people about your boundaries because otherwise they take your absence or your, you know, Five hours to reply, or whatever it is, they take it really personally because we're very self absorbed creatures. We're human beings. We focus on ourselves. We assume everything, you know, people are talking about, they're talking about us. What are they doing? We're very, very paranoid. And especially, you know, when we're young and especially as women, because society teaches us we should be paranoid because there's so many things wrong with us from our body hair to the way our vagina looks and smells to our outfits, everything. And there's so much wrong with you. How could people not constantly be talking shit about you? Okay? So if you just tell someone, hey, I'm trying to be on my phone less. Oh, I know you tagged me in something, but you know what? I have deleted the app. I'm just only like downloading again and logging in when I have to post something. You know what? Every Sunday, I'm totally shutting my phone off. Not all of these things have to be true. Okay? They don't all have to be true. But they're ego-saving lies. They're ego-saving lies, and but let's say that they are true. You know, that's try to make them true. Turn your phone off on Sunday. Disconnect. I have a friend who does that. She has a no-tech Sunday, and she just tells people straight up, "Hey, if you want to do something with me Sunday, I it, it's going to be a no. I'm by myself. I do my masks, and I'm not going to respond to texts. I'm not going to take any calls. That's just what I need." And it's like, okay. But if she hadn't told me that, I would be calling her doing whatever and I would feel like it's personal because that's the fear. One of our greatest fears, because one of our greatest needs, is social exclusion because our greatest need is social inclusion, right? So if we think, if we feel excluded, again, we're going to take that very personally and it's going to strike a very deep caveman chord within ourselves, you know? So that's why we get paranoid and that's why we take it so hard. So just communicate to your friend. Tell her what you told me. Hey, I love you. I miss you. But this experience is really I'm so blessed to be having it. And it's so finite. I know I'm going home in December and I really just want to soak it up. So if I'm not answering the phone, it's not you. Sometimes I don't even take my phone out with me. I'm really just trying to live in real life and live in the moment. And you know what that's going to feel like to her? It's going to feel like rejection. It is. If she's needy and if she doesn't have a lot of other people in her life, she's going to, that's going to, that's going to smart. That's going to feel like a smack, but that's also a her problem. That's not a you problem. You can't erode yourself and breach your boundaries because someone else has needs. You're not her mom. You're not her sister. You're not her boyfriend or her husband. You're her friend. And just because she doesn't have a lot of other friends, that's not your problem. You didn't create that, did you? I mean, you're not like, how dare you hang out with Jennifer? No, you didn't create that. I'm sure you want her to have friends. And sometimes getting away from a situation or a dynamic gives you that bird's eye view. So that you can be like, you know what? Mackenzie, like, I love her, but she exhausted me when I was in Austin with her. She exhausted me in real life when we were in the same town. And now that I'm far away and I'm, I don't know, I guess, like, I have more of a life. I can see that that relationship was out of balance and that's let her know that that's what you're trying to do. Hey, I'm trying to restore some balance to my life. I feel like in quarantine, all I was doing was living on my phone. Last semester, all I was doing was sitting around and scrolling and not going out and all winter I stayed home. I'm really just trying to break that. I'm trying to get some balance back in my life. And I know you understand that put things out, lead them, This is a a persuasion technique. You say, you, of course, which of course you understand, right? People naturally were hardwired to agree. It's part of that need to be socially included. We want to be agreeable. We're not hardwired to be contrarians. We're not. Because if you are too contrary, that tribe leader throws you out in the snow and you die. You get eaten by a woolly mammoth. Well, they're herbivores. You know what I mean. So if you lead that, it's like you of all people understand what that's like. They're like, yes, I... Yes, I do. Yes, I, I, of course I do. Even if that's not true at all. Even if she's the least understanding person, if she's never been out of the country, if she has no concept what you're talking about, she's going to want to agree with you to be socially included. And that might sound a little bit manipulative, but it's honestly healthier. Sometimes we have to be a little bit manipulative to create a situation that's healthier for everyone involved. And you know what? Even if it's not healthier for her, that's her problem, though you can't again put yourself in a situation that doesn't feel healthy in order to help her that is martyrdom that is nailing yourself to the cross get on down girl we need the wood you can't do that because it doesn't serve anyone that's just going to lead to a lot of resentment and how is that going to make your friendship better i'm dealing with this too i moved away and it's, it's interesting how people in my life have reacted to me moving from New York City to Montana. The vast majority of my friendships haven't changed at all. You know, like they're so excited. They want to hear things. Some, some friendships are... Huh. It's almost like I can... It's illuminated friends who are very fear-based. Like they live fear-based lives where they will never leave that small town they grew up in or they will never leave the city they grew up they will never leave their mama's house they will never leave their husband who they despise so they're very much living vicariously through me and therefore they want constant 24 hour a day updates they want a FaceTime every single day they want to know exactly what i'm doing every single person i'm dating and it's like i'm blessed that they care this much about my life you know that's wonderful that they're not like out of sight out of mind bitch But on the other hand, it's like, I, I don't want to just capture my life. I want to go experience it, you know, and other people who are going through hard times, like they still expect the same level of connection that I simply am not able to give at this point. And a lot of that's logistical when I'm moving and I'm moving in and I'm not packing furniture all day long. And it's like, I don't, I don't have this to give you. And so it's been a challenge for me to communicate that and be like, I love you and I'm so sorry about your cousin. I, I, this is what I have to give. I can text you every day or we can do a call once a week or we can email every few days, but I cannot do all three. I can't do all three and hopefully that's going to change. But right now snapshot of where I am, this is the reality kind of like take it or leave it. And if you if you need to leave it, if that's not enough, like, okay, I understand that, but I can't modify that. And if that means I've hurt your feelings, I don't want to hurt your feelings, and I'm really I'm really sorry. Like none of this is intentional, but I am communicating to you what I can give. And again, like we always say, if they get mad at your boundaries, that's cuz they didn't want you to have any at all. They wanted open unfettered access to your emotional real estate. You ever drive up to a community? My mom and I love to just drive around and look at cars. And actually, the guy I'm dating, we love to do that, too. I'm sorry, not cars. We drive around and look at houses. <gasps> love it. We're like, oh, what were they thinking with that signing? Bullshit. We want to, like, heckle homeowners. <laughs> like, yeah. It's a stupid color for the gazebo, Sharon. But sometimes, you know, we'll drive up to someplace. Oh, let's go up there. And it's gated. And we're like, oh, well, well. I guess the common man just can't see it. Can't go see your houses. And it's like, yeah, no shit. No, any geek off the street can't just roll up to someone's house. I'm mad at those fences because I want unfettered access for my own nefarious judgment purposes <laughs> to roll up to these huge mansions, you know? And who should let me in? Nobody. It's their property. They have the right to gate it off. Good for them. You know, and before I moved to Montana, I felt like that. Now that I'm out here, I'm like, I have a billion fences, a billion guns. Like, you know, when you're on my property and you know when I want you off of (laughs) it. There's, it is unequivocal. But part of that, part of the shift to the land that I live on now in Montana, when I had to look at actual fences, I mean, fence lines on my property, it reminded me to have those fence lines emotionally. It reminded me that, hey, People can come on your property and they've been treading on you emotionally for a while. It's just it's an interesting like visual cue that reminds me like, no, I I've walled off parts of my land and I'm walling off parts of myself, either because it's something precious and I don't want to erode it or because I simply don't have anything left to give. So if you're in this situation and you're feeling just eroded and drained and you like Time it when you are going to text back because, you know, maybe they're asleep and you're just like, oh, communicate because you need to see the writing on the wall. And one friend I did do that, too. I said, you know what? I I don't have this. I don't have this to give to you right now. And she lost, lost her mind, lost her mind. And I'm like, wow, that's a real that's a real shift and I'm kind of glad you flipped like that. I mean, it was hurtful that, you know, you want me to be there for you 24-7. But when I tell you what I need, which is actually not contact, it's rest, it's being quiet and being alone and being unplugged from technology, which is just as valid as needing someone to talk to, that wasn't okay. So that tells me this is not a reciprocal friendship. This is an unpaid labor situation, right? You want me to show up to work, your work, your emotional work for free, and you're not going to pay me for it. You're not going to give me what I need in return, which is respect of my boundaries. That's not going to happen. Hmm. Okay. I don't work for free, sweetheart. I'm not a volunteer around here. You're not a charity. So that was illuminating. Sad, but illuminating. So don't be afraid to get very clear about what you can and cannot give and try to come up with a timeline. Be like, look, I'm so stressed applying for school. I am so stressed moving into the dorm. I'm so stressed training for this marathon or readjusting back to life outside of quarantine. I'm really full of so much more anxiety than I thought or I'm much more exhausted. I hear this a lot from people getting back like into the working, you know, working in office. They're like, I'm wrecked. I'm so tired. Having an alarm, just putting on real clothes and being in uncomfortable clothes all day and driving to work and sitting in an office. Like it's, it truly is something you have to condition yourself to. It requires a degree of stamina. And they get out of work and they're like, I've got nothing left. I got nothing left for anyone. So be like, hey, this is what I'm going through. And I know that this isn't going to last forever. So please just give me some leeway and some grace. And let's find a happy medium that works. Like I said, maybe it's a once a week FaceTime. Maybe it's a daily text. But let's let's meet in the middle. But again, if someone isn't willing to negotiate, well, who out there isn't willing to negotiate? Oh yeah, a terrorist. And we, like America herself, don't negotiate back with them. And again, you gotta see that writing on the wall. If people aren't willing to meet you halfway, if it turns out, mm, no, it is their way or the highway. Well, baby, it's time to take the exit. Well, that's it for this episode of Girl on Top. Thanks for being part of the Shalomtourage. If you have a love question you need some help with, find me on my website, shallonlester.com, and be sure to connect with me on Instagram at shallonxo, and subscribe to my YouTube channel. Stay sweet, stay savage.